Hero Season 3, Episode 42, starts right now. 42 weeks into 2023. The year started 15 minutes ago, but we're, we're going, we're flying right through it. I'm Brandon Davis, joined today by Aaron Perrine. What's going on, everybody? Jamie Dirac. Good morning. Jenna Anderson. Hey, everybody, and hello to Gabby Pixar, who is watching live for the first time after listening every week from episode one. We love to see it. Welcome to the live show. Welcome to the circus. And to answer your question, Aaron Perrine, there is a lot going on today. We have uh, we have a lot of news to talk about. A lot of it just dropped this morning. Some of it dropped over the weekend and last week. We have a lot to catch up on, a lot to talk about, a lot of lots of parts through. But first, I want to thank everybody for the success of our Loki bonus episode. It was the most first-day downloads for any Phase Zero episode this year. We're going to talk a little bit about Loki at the end of today's show. We are live again tomorrow night, Thursday, immediately following the new episode of Loki, Loki Episode 2. We will be live on the Phase Zero YouTube channel to recap, to break down, to discuss the show we i felt like we had a little bit to learn i'm doing a live show immediately last week i thought it went really well and we're only going to do better so i'm really excited about that i'm really excited for all the support we've been getting and the the, the community and the, the way people are talking about the show people are digging loki so that's fun on today's show we have marvel tv getting an entire overhaul daredevil reboot is getting rebooted we have fantastic four actual updates and we have uh, a lot to talk about. So I feel like we need to just get started. Are you guys ready for like the chonkiest show in a minute? We've uh, yes. probably of the year. Yes, let's do it. So I roll out of bed this morning, right? I'm like, all right, all right, we got, I got to go get ready for phase zero. I got to go. I got to go prep the show. I put a lot of the notes in the rundown last night already. I was like, all right, it's going to be an easy one. I'll make my coffee. I'll have my smoothie. And no, no, THR had other plans. And I appreciate them for that because they what they could have done was drop this at 1 p.m. today. Mm -hmm. And it would have happened right after today's show. But unlike every other Wednesday of our lives, the big news <laughs> dropped before Phase Zero. So we got a lot to discuss. First of all, it's all about Marvel TV, which I think most of us agree. We like what they're doing with a lot of the shows, but also it could be better. It could feel a bit neater. And that's what they're doing, it sounds like. Daredevil Born Again started filming before the strikes. It shut down back in June or July. So when they shut down, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios watched what they had filmed, which apparently was about four episodes, at least four episodes maybe. And they said, we don't like it. We don't like this. So in September, they fired the writers, Chris Ord and Matt Corman. Uh, they're looking for new writers and directors. The directors have been fired as well. Daredevil didn't wear the costume in this series until its fourth episode. Charlie Cox did not wear a Daredevil costume until episode four of Daredevil Born Again. I'll tell you right now, that would have sucked. We don't want that. It was a legal procedural. If I want a legal procedural, I'll watch Rizzoli and Isles. All right? <laughs> I know. I, I, I support this. I support the fact that they looked at it. They took the opportunity to say, all right, listen, this might cost us $50 million to scrap what's here. They're keeping some of what was already filmed but they're largely redoing what they had before and they're hiring new writers and a new team to, to redo the redo of Daredevil, which is a loose reboot. So they don't have to, I think, pay everybody from the first three seasons. If you ask Stephen tonight, who had points when he talked about it, but uh, what, 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 let's start with Daredevil before we get to the rest of the Marvel TV news that came out today. What are we feeling about this? Jenna, you're up top. I am so glad in a roundabout way that they made this decision now because hearing that he didn't even wear his costume until episode four, I feel like the the entire prospect of this reboot is already so contentious. There are already so many fans who weren't vibing with the direction that they were going in. And if it took that long to get to, to have him in costume, they, Daredevil fans were already so impatient just having him show up in She-Hulk. And I think having to wait that long for him to even suit up and having probably what was a very good legal procedural, but not at all what people wanted from Daredevil. I'm glad they're making this direction, but it's crazy that they're even having to do it. Mm. I'm glad they have the opportunity to do it. The strike sucks. I'm glad people are getting what they need out of it, but without it, who knows what would have happened here? Yeah, I mean, so I, I'm on the desk in the mornings, y'all. I'm coming off of an extended vacation for my birthday. I, my first day back at work, and having this drop in 15, 20 minutes into the shift was both Okay, well, at least I know what we're doing for the next three hours and during phase zero, but also like what is going on? Um, the way that people reacted to Jenna's point about Matt and She-Hulk makes me think they would have burned the internet down if it took four episodes for him to get in that costume. 
I don't care how good the legal procedural was. They would have been very, very upset. There is, there is, despite some of the structural things, which we will get into about the Marvel TV shows, there is a measure of impatience among the audience that you cannot deny. And four episodes to get in the costume would have had, there would be weird accounts on Twitter that's like, does he get suited up yet? No. (laughs) The show was ruined by episode two with a bunch of YouTube thumbnails. So if they, if they need to do this, then that that's fine. I, it's just uh, absolutely striking that they filmed four whole episodes and then we're like, we just don't want it. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, man. Shooting in New York City. It's a ton of money. <laughs> Jamie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I wake up 10 minutes before we start this show. So it's like, I'm like, oh gosh. Uh, lots rolling. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I think if this was a character that this was their first show, that that, that wouldn't be a big deal. It's 18 episodes. Episode four, that's nothing in an 18 episode for something to show up, but that's not the case with Daredevil. This is somebody who had three seasons of a show. This is a weird, soft kind of reboot that people, like Jenna said, are already a little questionable about. And and clearly, this has, there's a lot more writing on this than, than a show that's just starting from the beginning. It's just a different beast, and it's not it's not like something that we've seen before. So I totally agree that this, that that is a weird call a procedural. Like you have so much to work with from that other show and it has such a hardcore fandom that there you, there's a lot of people to please. And I have a lot of opinions about the upcoming discussion about TV stuff and how I think that eight, 18 episodes is something that Disney Plus doesn't know how to do. And so if they were doing it wrong, great. Good time to know. Glad we know now. Yeah. I, I want I think the legal the legal procedural element of this show is interesting and it could be very good, but it's a superhero show based on a superhero who has already had a show and already appeared in full costume both in a, oh, not in a movie actually. He was only a lawyer in the movie. But he was in a full costume in She-Hulk. So I think that that legal procedural aspect to it could make this a very interesting thing when it is that blurred line of when does Matt Murdock have to take the law into his own hands? You know, when does this case have to become a superhero affair and not just a courtroom affair? I think there's a lot to that. I, I hope they don't get too far away from that. But you need Daredevil. I, now that said, you don't need him in the costume doing crazy action in every single episode. Those hallway fights and and, and and jail, you know, breakouts wouldn't be what they were if they happened in every episode. And I also just realized you can't make those in every episode. What they did on Marvel TV was special with the action sequences, but they put it in the right places during those seasons. Uh, but maybe just start the show like Falcon and Winter Soldier did because they knew there's not a ton of action early on in that show. So how did that show start? With Sam Wilson flying through, you know, these canyons in a big action sequence that reminded us, well, this is a superhero. And even though we're about to get into some personal stuff, trying to take out loans in America, well, we also have a superhero that you saw on screen and you know will come back. So I think getting that balance is important, but having all of one and none of the other for four episodes, I would be frustrated myself. And I appreciate that they're doing this and they're taking the time to say, listen, what we had wasn't good. It wasn't good. So we're, we're revisiting this and we're, we're doing it again because we have the chance. I'm here for it. Yes. And maybe the last Spider-Man. Anyway, Vincent D'Onofrio <laughs> weighed in on uh, on Twitter already. I don't know if he's allowed to do this, but he did. Uh, and so he replied to somebody who pulled one of his old tweets about his excitement about um, Daredevil Born Again. And they started saying it didn't age well. His first tweet said, unless you really know what's going on, there's a chance you could be wrong about this statement. We are going to bring forward the best series we can, one we can be proud of. Have some trust, my friend. Trust. And then in this tweet, which is on your screen right now, he said, uh, every cool project I've ever been involved with has evolved constantly during pre-production, production, and post. It's just reported on these days as if it's big news. It's not. It's simple. A bunch of creatives doing their best to get it right. It's a constant in this business. I wouldn't have it any other way. Frankly, I'd be worried if we were settling for less. First of all, you're welcome for not reading that in a Kingpin impression. <laughs> I thought about it. I did think about it, but I didn't do it. But he's got a point. I mean, 
in this case, it is big news. That's the one thing I'm going to argue with Vinny on. And I'm calling him Vinny because he's our friend. I've never <laughs> met him. I have met him. But uh, whatever. <laughs> I, it, it's big news in this case. I would like to add that like, he may be comparing this to like past experiences. But most of the time in TV, if a network, if we're talking about real television, if a network sees the first four episodes of a show and they're bad, they're scrapping it. They don't have the money to say, let's start again. That is something because we're dealing with Marvel and that is a very different beast. For them, in most cases in TV, this would not happen. This is not a normal thing. Well, I've got to say, in the piece, Jamie, you bring that up. They bring <laughs> up the fact that apparently on some of these shows, there were not pilots. There were mm-hmm. not like any of the show Bible kind of showrunner stuff that you would get in normal television. And that is like a supreme departure from how TV normally works. And if they got the pilot back and the pilot was whack, we're not making this show. So mm-hmm. four episodes is, is wild. And the budgets we're talking about is really, really like fascinating uh, in a real way. We'll talk about some other showrunner stuff in a little bit. But yeah, I th- this is a very special case. The, all of this stuff is so far outside the realm of like, I think about like, my so-called life or freaks and geeks or whatever, <laughs> where the first episode was fire and then they they like just vacuumed it out into space for no reason. Uh, I, I think about The Walking Dead, which went through showrunner mm-hmm. changes. Mm-hmm. But you think about The Walking Dead, the first season was Frank Darabont. And that show was very different in its first season. It had zombies that could kind of break glass with rocks and they were a little bit smarter than the completely mindless zombies that you got later in the show. And then Glenn Mazzara comes in and takes over. Uh, and did like the prison arc, or season two, I think the beginning of the prison arc. And then Scott Gimple takes over. Well, uh, Scott Gimple's Walking Dead was very different from what came before it, but I don't know if that was all Scott's fault, but some of it certainly. But uh, you think of like the showrunner, just, it just goes to show that having a showrunner from beginning, middle, and end of a project is very important. And Marvel Studios was not doing showrunners. When we used to get these, when we first got these invitations to do interviews for the Marvel shows, starting back with WandaVision, the emails would say head writer or executive producer. There was never a showrunner. And I remember the first show I ever, I got the chance to dive into and get to know how these shows work and talk to people was The Walking Dead. I got to know, oh, a showrunner has a really key role in this. I studied that show. I, I, I studied the people who worked on it. And I got to know how those showrunners, how those different people in charge oversaw everything and how it affected different people. Like I would see texts from actors and directors and people say, well, this happened. That has this. this." And it was interesting how it all funneled through a showrunner. And now Marvel didn't do that. Marvel seemed to just take an executive producer who was brought up in the Marvel system. They kind of have the Marvel farm. They grow them in house. And they send them over as, a, as an executive producer, but they didn't necessarily have TV experience. And all of a sudden, they were overseeing a TV show. And now, thanks to Jessica Gao, according to this yep, report, that's right. mm-hmm. they're going to have showrunners going forward, which I think is a great change. I will also make a note because I have seen people point this out. It also has to do with the WGA strike of like the the regulations and of the contract that they just signed make it much easier and much more specific that you need to hire a showrunner and what the staffing process of that needs to look like. So, yeah, they like the head writers in the past operated as showrunners as much as they possibly could. As this article reveals, they would be the showrunner for a certain point and then that would kind of pass back off to the directors. But it seems like now going forward, they're going to try to have someone who, like Jessica Gao, is more involved with the entire process. Yeah, so the report... This is what I wanted to say. But just because, uh, you know, it's I don't think it's less like Marvel decided they need showrunners yeah. than the WGA decided Marvel needs showrunners. Yes. Uh, because, like, th- that, this is no coincidence that this is happening right now. I will also make the argument, and I know we have said this ad nauseum on the show, but so many of these shows, outside of probably WandaVision and She-Hulk, just function as long movies. Like, they... And, and you can see it in the process now, knowing how this worked, of, like, somebody ostensibly wrote the screenplay and then it got passed off to the director and then it get in, it gets into post-production and it's either the director or somebody else making those decisions from there. That is like a movie. That's not how a TV show should be operating. So I did not know about that WGA cause. I, that, I'm sure that's not a coincidence, but the detail in the report for, uh, that, about how this kind of went down at Marvel uh, is that Jessica Gao, who was the head writer on She-Hulk, 
friend of the show, has been on Phase Zero. She was an awesome guest. Go listen to that episode if you can. Uh, but so Jessica Gao was the head writer on She-Hulk, got to write the show basically right up until it went into production, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then Kat Koira, the director, took over. Jessica Gao was basically uninvolved once they started filming. And then they were like, well, hold on, hold on a second. And they brought her back for post-production. And Jessica Gao ended up having a cameo in the finale in the whole Kevin sequence. You could see her in the photo that's on your screen right now. She's in the purple shirt. No, right? she's no, in the red she's shirt. In the red. She's in the red shirt. Uh, and so it's just, I don't, I don't see how this wasn't the case originally, but I'm glad they're doing it now. Also, like, these yeah. TVs, I, the Marvel puts a lot more stock into their directors and TV than net like way network tv works is directors are kind of like guest stars Mm -hmm. they come in and they rock it and the next week it's somebody new it's it's very rare that a tv show has the same director all throughout and it is that is more of a limited series thing that is more of a let's chop a movie up into six pieces thing absolutely i also can we acknowledge the secret invasion of it all because that was outlined in the report and i i need to pull up the article for the specifics but i'm sure somebody can recap it as to as as well because that was a similar sort of thing as like what we're supposedly seeing with daredevil where kyle bradstreet was the head writer and then was fired and then the creative control kind of kept changing hands from there which is crazy to me it makes so much sense seeing the final product but yeah do do you want the aaron uh, from the site, like play by play of basically what they said. Okay. Uh, so you got new reports about the setbacks, page picture, but went wrong. It's spiraled out of control because of power struggles between the executives, directors, and creative forces within Marvel Studios, right? So you have the original series writer, Kyle Bradstreet, get fired when they decided on a different direction. And then they go over to London to start filming in 2022, right? And then over the course of the summer of 2022, everything goes sideways. Like, you have him, like the Bradstreet get fired. Uh, they brought in uh, Thomas Basucha and Ali Salim, who actually ended up directing all of Secret Invasion, right? And then there, it takes so long. There are power struggles. There's sources saying there were weeks of people not getting along, and then it erupted. Basucha has to leave because he has other commitments, right? Like, he, like you. You only have a certain amount of time to work on certain projects. And as it dragged on, it was like, well, I can't just stay. I need to work on my other stuff. Um, so Salim kind of has to, you know, kind of pull it together however he can. Marvel Studios sends senior executive uh, Jonathan Schwartz to go out to the site and try to smooth things over. But it's already kind of falling behind schedule. By the time we get to September, most of the team behind the scenes have been replaced. That means like, you know, different assistant directors, uh, different people who are doing script rewrites uh other executives on staff and then the guy who they sent over there not schwartz from before i think his name is brian gray is reportedly going to step away from marvel entirely at the end of the year according to the tr thr article so it really threw everything in the flux that they sent someone in there from like the marvel parliament which is like the illuminati but for marvel studios with kevin at the head uh and he, he couldn't even corral it. It just really ballooned out of control. And you got people getting fired, people getting replaced. And like now, this is why I wait till we hear all the information. Because you had J- Jamie and Jenna saying <laughs> these episodes feel like different episodes of a TV show. Like they feel like they're like not from the same series or like the weird cliffhangers the way certain things are structured, some of the dialogue choices, the story choices. And now you're realizing they're just trying to get it together to get it releasable. And that is what happened according to the THR article in that guy's second invasion. It feels to me a little bit like Marvel had their system. It worked flawlessly for through the 2010s. They had the biggest movies ever, including the biggest movie literally ever at the time. Sure. And then they got to this, this post end game world a pandemic came and they already had plans that were too much for themselves and they didn't implement what has worked for TV for years. They said, we have our way, we're going to do it, but it doesn't work that way in television. It's different. And now they're feeling that. Not only did they put out too much too fast for their own good for production, which resulted in things, I think, like the She-Hulk VFX, Ironheart VFX, things like that that just haven't worked, but also some of the storylines not being cohesive and not as good as they want them to be. Secret Invasion being a mess behind the scenes 
and the story overall just ending up being a bit flat by the time it was over. Uh, so oh, this, this all, to me, is positive changes because it seems like it sounds like the power struggle behind the scenes on Secret Invasion blew up. Uh, the, the production style as a whole is kind of blowing up, and it's just not working the way they thought it would. So now well, it's like, okay, we got this opportunity to learn from it. Either you learn from it or you don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm still... Go ahead. BD, I want to ask you a question. Can we talk about the JPEG? Can you speak to the JPEG of it all? Because now <laughs> I feel like that is a Go for it. Today. This is a chonky episode. <laughs> Go for it. We are not on Paramount Plus. We're on YouTube, baby. That's we true. We can go for three hours if we have to. <laughs> We're just going to take over Mixable. Someone send them an email. Uh, <laughs> so Bob JPEG takes over Disney in late 2019, I want to say, right? Right before the pandemic or like early 2020. Oh, yeah. Bob Iger yeah. saw that, saw the panoramic coming. <laughs> yeah. He said, here, here. He's just the wheel Big and, and he let that that car drive wherever it was going because i think he always knew he was coming back when it was over but but he let bob chapek be the guy through the hard years yeah but also like chapek had the whole press for disney plus stuff like this mm -hmm. is his baby this in the parks is his baby the two things that get complained about the most are literally from him like if you i, I was at a disney park on sunday believe me people are still sore about some of the changes that have been made because of bob chapek uh, and the TV shows, it was like, you need to make me stuff to feed the beast, right? Mm -hmm. And that opens the floodgates, everything. And I see Josh Harding say, Iger, didn't Iger ask for the surplus of streaming shows before he left, though? And I mean, kind of, but also, like, let's get it, let's get it real with, like, JPEG and the way that these decisions get made, too. If you're mad, if you can remember, because it's been a long time, the pandemic is ultra how our brains work, being angry at how Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness was promoted, that was Bob Chapek's decision, okay? Like, he said, Kevin Feige, you do not determine what goes where anymore. These suits and this algorithm determines what goes where. So some of you who believe that, oh, Moon Knight should have been a, a movie. Maybe Kevin would have did that, but that's not what the numbers said. So that's what they did. You want to produce the promotional material around Multiverse of Madness and not have Professor X and freaking Captain Carter and all the stuff that's in the movie in the trailers? So, tough, tough stuff. We're doing it anyway. I don't care. So there's a real bit where there's some executive stuff going on. There's like three different Games of Thrones like flowing all in between everything that just make all of it worse. They're all of it worse. It's, it's wild. I will also make the argument, like kind of just going off of what Aaron said, like people are realizing in the larger streaming eco ecosystem by and large, like the reason why Netflix cancels so many shows is because they don't necessarily care if a single tile on their streamer has multiple seasons. They just want you to move on to the next tile. And so it's interesting having so many of these Disney Plus shows be ostensibly five, six hour movies instead of being shows that could possibly get multiple seasons, which like in the THR article, they say Marvel's plan going forward is to have more multi-season and shows, which I think stems from the problem that we've said over and over again of we meet a character on Disney Plus and we have no idea where or when they're going to show up again or where their story is going to be developed. And so now we at least know that is a priority. But then at the same time, it it's just, I don't know, it's all just so complicated. I, I, go ahead, Jamie. I just was because like I have so many feelings about this. We're going to focus on multi-season shows because one great. That's a great decision. But if we're working like regular TV, then that means that what are things going to possibly get canceled? Like if Secret Invasion was supposed to be multi-seasons and it came out the way it did and most people didn't care for it, it would get canceled if this was how TV was working. But they have such a bigger picture. They're tying these in together somehow. So if a show doesn't do well and it's supposed to be multiple seasons, are they still going to, are they still going to bring it back? Because it's like a sequel. It's like, oh, Thor 2 wasn't well received, but you're still going to get Thor 3. And, but then you have to think about it too. What about the casts? And if, oh, okay, man. if they're going to be multi-season, are they going to still be six to nine episodes or are they going to be 18 like Daredevil? Because TV is not like it used to be in terms of cast. Now movie stars are in these shows. Like, we uh, 20 years ago, if you would have said Meryl Streep was going to be in a TV show, everyone would have guffawed. No way would Meryl Streep do, do TV. And now she does because it works so differently. But it's not like, okay, so so Friends ran for 10 years, right? And in that time, Courtney Cox made three 
Scream movies. She didn't make those while Friends was shooting. She had to go do it in the summer on her time off because Friends was her priority. But that's not how it works with these actors. And that's why Elizabeth Olsen is like, make sure you only sign on for one project because you don't want to give your life that kind of thing. So I love the idea of multi-seasons, multi but but what does that really mean? You gotta, you got you just going to have to it. We're not gonna have like if if it was what they're announcing right now. I think that Tom Hiddleston is the only established name that would have signed off one of these shows because he really just just loves it a lot. God bless you, Tom. I know you're watching. <laughs> I know you watch every week. So I, mean, <laughs> I don't really, in terms of canceled or or renewed all that stuff. I just think like Disney Plus doesn't hasn't operated that way. Disney Plus hasn't treated their stuff that way. Disney Plus has treated everything as an event. Like Ahsoka was marketed as an event. Now they're talking about will there be season two? Okay, hopefully. I'm sure that story is going to continue somewhere. Personally, I'm tired of the streaming era. I've made this clear. I don't like the streaming era. I think it sucks. I think that broadcast TV was more fun. Sure, I know I'm a weirdo because I'll sit through commercials, but I think it was more fun when things would release at one time. You'd all watch it at the same time. You'd have to watch it. It was an appointment on your week. Circle the calendar. Circle that hour. All right, we're all going to sit down. We're going to watch this. We're going to talk about it. That's just the way life was now. And it would build an audience. It would week to week build an audience and it would have throughout its season. It would have to survive the pilots we already talked about being good enough to get the rest of the season made. It would get made and it would have to be good enough to get another season. And the network, the studio behind the network would want it to be so good that people would have to watch it, that the ratings would be good enough to spend more money to make a second season. And now it's just like, okay, well, we're making these event series. I think event series suck. I'm tired of events. The Continental on Peacock, is just a perfect example. A three-episode event, it's boring. It's the first John Wick anything that has been boring, in my opinion. And I think that if it was a TV show, you could have actually made something interesting because it's got a thousand new characters plus three young versions of characters you've already met. So I just think doing events doesn't allow these things to breathe. Loki as these two seasons is great. Like if season two picking up directly where season one left off felt really, really nice. And then you have WandaVision, which was phenomenal. And then that, you 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 know what, actually, let me, let me walk this back a little bit. You can have an event series here and there, but I think that everything being an event series doesn't work. Like if Secret Invasion was like Avengers Secret Invasion, the event series, that's one thing. But Secret Invasion is a one-off six episode series with really no consequences other than a death that we didn't even feel because there were two, like, or a fake death. I don't know, I, I don't like the streaming format. I think it's a lot of trial and error and I think most of it has been error, and that shows in in the numbers and the mm -hmm. conversation. I will also make the argument of they wanted everything to be marketed as an event series because they wanted new subscribers. They wanted That's that right. to be the thing that incentivized you to join Disney Plus. And then at the end of the day, the thing that is keeping people on Disney Plus and that is actually driving subscribers is stuff like The Simpsons and Bluey. So they couldn't have predicted that when they started making all of these shows, but that is kind of the reality that we're in. Well, they, that's a problem when you have two streaming services and a sports streaming service. You have Not Hulu Disney and Plus. Disney Plus, and Hulu has all the things that actually get season twos and season threes because a lot of them start on FX and ABC. And Disney Plus is all Star Wars and Marvel and Pixar and all that stuff. And the Disney, directly Disney products, which they're marketing as event series. And also, I think there's event series, but you can make a series feel like an event. Lost felt like an event, but it was not an event series. The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, those felt like events. HBO is the only channel. Well, Max, God forbid you call it HBO. <laughs> <laughs> HBO is the only channel that has had this right. They are putting out quality series after quality series. They're getting multiple seasons because they've been doing it for years before streaming, and they continued that model. They may do a I don't remember what the episode counts were when it was The Sopranos, and it was Six Feet Under, and it was Game of Thrones. Now you have House of the Dragon 10 episodes, The Last of Us 10 episodes, Succession. I think, well, how many, was it eight episodes? But eight to 10. Yeah. yeah, so I think it, that it is, you need multiple seasons to build an audience. All right, I'm off this tangent. Yeah. I, well, I, I really want to add because you keep saying event series and what a lot of these shows are, they're limited series. Mm -hmm. And uh, sure. uh, like that's, and that's a different thing. If you're announcing a limited series, Awesome. Great. We know that going into it. It's a limited series. Limited series are great. There, somebody in the comments mentioned my favorite one of all time, which is the 10th kingdom. And that's just it's a different thing where it starts and ends. And event is, is, I think, you know, you're talking about HBO and HBO, you're right, has perfected this formula. And that is different. And I think that that is more like I miss network TV. I want like you say lost. I want 22 episode seasons where we can do weird things. We can have a one like a one off episode where 
you know, they go to an alternate universe and it's, it's just one time, one episode, and then another episode where they follow one character on a silly adventure. I love that. But that is never going to happen, I don't think, with Marvel. You, you For a million reasons we've already talked about. And I think you're exactly right that if you're going to follow the formula, follow it from HBO. But there's a difference between, are we doing event TV? TV where we all sign on Sunday night at 9 p.m. Uh, Eastern, all at the same time, like we did for Game of Thrones? Or is it a limited series where we know that this is a one-time thing, but obviously we might see these characters again because it's still Marvel. Can I say one thing before we go to break? Because I know we're <laughs> over. I know they're like, please pay the bills. <laughs> uh, well, I think Brandon and Jamie and Jen are all like sort of putting voice to is the loss of a monoculture in mm -hmm. our culture. There's everything is so splintered now that there's nothing else. Why do you think we all, everything you watch on TV is we talk about Travis Kelsey and freaking Taylor Swift? Because <laughs> you can watch it with no paying no money. It's on normal TV. It's the only thing we all watch together anymore is live sports. It's the only thing. We don't even all watch the Oscars anymore together. We I can't remember the last time that Twitter live streamed and talked about a TV show or like a uh, like a award show rather than like Chris Rock slapping getting slapped. That's the only thing that's happened in two and a half years that I can remember where I'm like, oh, everybody was talking about something that was on television at the same time. It wasn't like the night it's shift. Only sports. It's only sports now. It's only yeah. sports. That's mm -hmm. why whenever we're in Slack and people start joking around about ESPN Plus being like not necessary, I'm like, baby, the NFL is the only thing on TV that everybody watches at the same time. It's the mm -hmm. only thing anymore. That's it. So you got to find some way. And we can't really roll back the clock because they've pretty much decimated like a monoculture. I don't know. Every single time I talk about my younger nephews, they're talking about some random YouTube streamer that has 15 million people. <laughs> well, like, Hulu, I have no Hulu used to be, you'd have to watch it on broadcast and it would mm -hmm. come to Hulu later. Yeah. So you'd still feel the need to watch it live, to watch it with everybody else and let that be part of the audience in real time. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. when it was airing. Mm -hmm. I remember the first episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I was late to work at the Village Idiot. I used to, I used to, you know, be the door guy at the pizza joint. That was also a bar. Okay. I made $40 a night. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be late to my $40 tonight <laughs> because I'm watching agents of shield. Nice. And that's, that's what happened with television. You couldn't miss it. You had to watch it when it was on and it was fun. I love that. I don't know all this to say the streaming era sucks. Marvel studios is changing everything about their approach to television. And one thing we, we said this, but I want to make sure this point is conveyed. That article from DHR this morning says Marvel studios is going to focus on multi-season shows. Genius. Glorious! What did what did the what did the collector say? Magnificent! Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's that's all the good. That's the best news of all this, in my opinion, is that they're focusing on multi-season shows. We don't really know what that means yet. I think it's going to be quite a while until we even see what that means. But hopefully, it means longer episodes, multiple seasons, uh, and not just six-episode movies that get put on Disney Plus. This all this is all coming from people who have really enjoyed most of what has been out there. Uh, but we all recognize also this could be better. And it's it, the Marvel Universe feels different and a bit more disorganized. And certainly behind the scenes, it sounds like from this report, things are quite disorganized. And when we come back, you guys thought you guys thought this first half hour of Phase Zero was wild. <laughs> Fantastic Four have been cast? Hold on a second. Well, hold on one minute. We'll see you there. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to Phase Zero's chonkiest of the chonk episodes. This is one of the biggest Wednesday episodes we've had in a hot minute. THR spilt the tea this morning, and we are here sipping on it. It's hot, so be careful with it. Jamie, we got, we got, so, so listen, Fantastic Four have been cast. That's what I said before the break. Let's, let's talk about this. Oh, boy. All right. So Matt Jackman spoke to Collider. It's quote time, people. This is what he said said, we're in the middle of a SAG strike and I'm keeping my fingers crossed they get a great deal really soon and we can go back. Then, once that's resolved, there will be a plan at that point, but I can't say too much. There will be an announcement at some point. I know that the internet is very excited to find out and I'm excited to share it. I just can't do it yet. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so the question there was, what's going on with the cast? Mm-hmm. I, I love that he's like, there'll be an announcement at some point. Yeah, I hope so. They're not just going to start the movie in theaters and then we find out who's playing. Wouldn't that be sick? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think so. Okay, but so the the reason I you know I teased this whole Fantastic Four have been cast is because this quote has been taken as Matt Shackman saying that they have a cast they just can't announce it. Do you guys feel? Do you guys, I personally see it can be taken that way, but I don't feel that that's the case. It's so hard to say with this one because it's just, we've been burned so many times. Like there was a time where I'd be like, oh yeah, they got it, but I don't know. The one constant that does give me hope is the casting department has been on fire. Like in the exact direct parallel to what we're talking about in the first half of the show, the casting department has been like 94 Michael Jordan, like all this entire time, phase four, phase five. (laughs) Right. So I feel like also half of the cast has been cast and then the other half probably hasn't been. I'll tell you, Vanessa Kirby is in this movie. Hmm? She's Sue Storm. So I think some of them, like you said, have been cast. I think it's just a matter of time until we hear about Matt Smith either getting the part or trying out for it. Other than that, I don't I don't think this one's done yet. I think they have ideas. They probably have plenty of ideas, but they can't talk to him yet. They haven't signed the dotted line because they took this sag strike. This movie's still been working. And Jamie has more to say about it here. But they've been, oh they've been at work on this one. So I think they know who they want to have. They just got to get them to sign it once the strike's over. So he also promised that it's going to be different thing, different from everything that came before. He said, it's different in so many ways. I wish I could be specific. I wish I could say more. But we're going to do things very differently from a story standpoint, from an approach to the filmmaking standpoint that really fits the material. I wish I could say more. I would love to, but I can't. But I think it's going to be unlike anything you've seen before and certainly unlike anything at Marvel you've seen before. I just, I want to believe you. I really do want to believe you. But I, I just... If I'm, if I'm, I'm skeptical. What do you guys think? <laughs> I, I would like to say, first of all, for those who are long-time phase your listeners, you know how Brendan Davis feels about this movie. And that little bit... Jenna's back! Hooray! Uh, Yay! I got bit, flipped. I'm back. <laughs> yeah, the, the ooze did not get her. Brandon does not want this thing to be set in the 50s. Hell no. That, that little tease makes it sound like we're getting some sort of thing set in the past. See, I, I came like, back just in time to what, advocate what for that because I, I'm with Jenna. I am firmly on partially set this movie in the 1960s in some capacity oh, because I think that is immediately how you at, at least aesthetically differentiate from what we've previously had. But I don't well, know. How do you get them to the present? There are so many ways to do that. Like just it, like without a crappy gimmick. <laughs> But the part of the Fantastic Four is the gimmick, though. You could even have it be a thing where if they start out in the present, go back to the past, and then come back. I don't know. There's some sort of way to do it. Stranger things have definitely happened. Man. No. (laughs) (laughs) I want to see this in the present. I want them to have bought that damn Avengers Tower. I know that Avengers Tower Lego is about to be revealed, and I'm going to buy it, but it's not the Avengers Tower. That Tony Stark built in a cave with a box of scraps. No, I, I want this to set in the present. I'm not going to But I will ask the question, though. If it is set in the present, does that mean that either the group is just starting out and is basically at square one, which is a thing we've already had in two different versions of these movies, oh, or or we have the Eternals problem of they've been around and they haven't been helping with anything. Would or you if be it's okay with 50s, that? It's the same movie, just in a different timeline. Jamie has thoughts. Jamie, Go. Well, I was going to say, we talked about this before. They can be in the 60s and then they get rocketed into space and they get stuck out there or there's yeah. a time oh, thing. And, and yeah, like, like yes. uh, well, yeah, yeah, interstellar. Yes. They get interstellar. That's so yes. easy to do. Yes. Um, like, I like, and, and it could easily work. I want to know if whose side Aaron is on. Is Aaron on our side? Bro, let the heroes meet. My God. <laughs> let the heroes know still- each other. They can still meet. They can still know each other. But that gives the FF something right out of the gate that makes them different because we don't have any like I would argue even Carol Danvers is not really very influenced by 90s culture at the end of the day. Like the fact that she was gone for all those decades doesn't impact anything. But I think having the FF be so rooted in the 60s sets them apart in a really cool way. Captain Marvel threw a blockbuster in the movie and said, look, we're the 90s. She wears a nine-inch nails t-shirt too. But I mean, since, <laughs> since, since, 
since then, it, she's not contributing anything in that regard. I don't know. I like, I'm still team 60s. I do want to hear what Aaron has to say, though. I want to know what's that. Real quick, though, I want to say about Carol. I just want to say that, yeah, she she's not all 90s anymore, but she was only in the 90s for like a brief time because she wasn't That's living true. on Earth that whole time. So I think that could be different. But Aaron, tell us who's team yeah. you're on. Okay. So <laughs> I, you just, you all just got a big glimpse at what I was like in high school, just instigating. Just instigating up a storm just What's to do it. Uh, I, I kind of want to see it in the present, too, because I think that would really help the audience. Because one of the things that everybody keeps complaining about is that nothing feels like it's connected, like the Avengers aren't together. If the movie has a scene where they're standing and there's Hulk and Wong and Doctor Strange, I feel like for a lot of Marvel fans, that's enough. It could just be that one scene, 15 minutes, and then like, Miss Minutes cartoons, like around it, and Subway <laughs> Surfers, and they'd be fine. Like they don't they care. Yeah, huh? that's what the Interstellar thing is for. I, yeah. Listen, and I yeah. love that movie. I love that movie. That's why I started yelling "Murph" in the background because I was like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, man, I love it." Uh, but I, I just feel like okay, have them be in the present, and a lot of this stuff would have to get worked out. Because also, I just think that this movie cannot just be just a Fantastic Four thing. It cannot be the Chris Evans and them version of it. It can't just be like its own thing. It's going to have to carry some water for the rest of this stuff. Especially if you're pushing all this crap to the future. It's got to carry some of the rest of this stuff, man. It has to. I can't, I can't do more revisionist history with the MCU. It was one thing when Ant-Man was hiding. It was another when Captain Marvel was out there. It's another when the scrolls did everything for Nick Fury. Let the Fantastic Four be a new group that wasn't already around that apparently nobody knew about or cared about or acknowledged ever. Stop it. It's all going to be funny when they have monkey's paws and if yeah. their side of their spaceship says Stark and that's why it fails <laughs> and BD's going to be like, dang it. I mean, listen, when Tony Stark is responsible for the creation of Molecule Man and therefore the destruction of the universe is, yeah. well, whatever. What else is new? You're so real for that, BD. <laughs> he's, he's so good. It's okay. Uh, all right. Well, and the last bits on this Fantastic Four stuff. They're filming spring 2024, Pinewood in London. Hashtag bring back set visits. Um, wow, we are we are really taking a long time here. Uh, Aaron, you want to kick us off with this next topic? Sure can. So we got some copyright findings that have some of the Marvel uh, properties, some of the TV stuff moving around. Uh, according to My Cosmic Circus, they found a U.S. copyright says that Ironheart isn't coming until September 3rd, 2025, which is quite fakely a fake year. It doesn't exist. And Sasha Baron Cohen has been uh, listed on the copyright as a mystery man. Brandon Davis, dare we say. <laughs> but just don't confirm. Yeah! How does everybody feel about Ironheart getting pushed back? I am heartbroken. Dominique, girl, I, I'm so sad for you. I, I want crazy. to I want to see this show so badly. So I'm very sad that this is how far out. But I mean, even then they said a couple of months ago that this show was just kind of indefinitely on hold given all of the strikes. So it sucks. The mystery man thing is so funny to me because it's like you're just like just tell us you're you're doing the same thing again that we've done with so many of these shows of like we're trying to be coy and trying to hide something, but it's like we know it's most likely Mephisto. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> it's also i because I, I was arguing this yesterday general audiences don't know who mephisto is sure they know don't. who sasha baron cohen is if you tell them borat is in the mcu that is going to be more of an appealing like noteworthy statement to them than, than mephisto is in the mcu honestly <laughs> and that's not I, all the hits keep i coming. agree i think you're making you're spitting facts uh <laughs> i'm just a child <laughs> <laughs> Ironheart, if this is true that Ironheart is delayed till 2025, I wonder if it's a case of they looked at it and said, mm, we got to do this better. A uh, couple things I want to talk about here are one, maybe they're giving VFX artists the time to make the suit look significantly better than it did in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That PS2 Power Rangers outfit was not working. Uh, I love the character of Riri Williams. I love the idea of Ironheart. And I really have been looking forward to the series. The delay sucks, but if it's to make it better, I heard a quote, I, I don't remember who, 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 some big video game designer said, it, once you release a bad game, it's a bad game forever. I'm paraphrasing. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, delay it as long as it takes to make it good. You only get to release it once. 
Is and that complained about Ms. Marvel changing Probably. the color of the Statue of Liberty. Delay it and get those things right. That's fine, dude. I don't care. If you start making better products that are more consistent and they're better than they would have been if you released them earlier, that's fine, man. I'm happy with that. That's okay. Just as long as there's anything coming that's good, cool. Um, but also, one of my favorite things about the MCU and the Infinity Saga and in Loki with these first episodes that I've already seen and just all these kind of superhero things are sort of more grounded elements. Like well, Iron Man is my favorite superhero, not only because Tony Stark is super entertaining, I love the character, but those first like Iron Man movies when he's tinkering, when he's building the suit, when it's kind of like it's not real. We can't build an Iron Man suit in our garage no matter how many resources we have, but it kind of allows your mind to wrap around the realism, the groundedness of it. And I really always love that. I love Captain America because he was always kind of right there too. He's a super soldier. He's a superhero. Iron Man wasn't a superhero. It's that Batman thing that Iron Man's got going on where he's a human who builds a suit and just develop skills that way and they show it loki is showing it like they're showing building these these items kind of they're tinkering around in the in ob's little wheel of cheese room whatever that is and it's kind of kind of putting like a grounded element to a very not grounded concept i'm curious how ironheart is going to do that if ironheart is a character based in science based in you know human intelligence and building a suit of armor and then mephisto is a part of it Hmm. I hope they don't lose. I hope they don't lose me on that one. This is a weird place to put Mephisto if Sasha Baron Cohen is in fact Mephisto. I think it's cool. I think it has potential, but I also think we are so far out tentatively yes. from even seeing this show that like I'm withholding my judgment until we actually start seeing more. And if he is cast as Mephisto, there's plenty of time to actually do what they used to do, which is put in an exciting post-credit scene or an introduction somewhere really snippy and cooling and let the theories begin with Sasha Baron Cohen showing up in any of the projects between now and then, showing a little tease of who he's going to be. And then we're like, oh, okay, we got to watch Ironheart. Got to watch Ironheart to learn more about this. That's just me, though. So speaking of characters that had a cool introduction and we are wondering when they're going to show up agatha also got pushed to 2024 more copyright findings have it dropping in like september 19th 2024 uh jennifer kale is expected to debut in the series but all as always all the stuff can change i know me and jamie the agatha army the <laughs> one thing from the disney plus era that Absolutely. That and Loki are the things that everybody just loves. Like <laughs> the fact that it took this long for there to be a season two or a follow up to WandaVision that was not Doctor Strange is wild to me. And I think that if they could redo it, it would have been one of the first things out the next year afterwards. Like the streaming era sucks, dude. The streaming era sucks. They would have done it. So, Jamie, are you sad we have to wait a little bit longer for Captain Han to be back in our lives? Honestly, I it's fun to be like really excited for something. It, you know what I mean? Like I'm excited for everything. I'm but there but like this is different. This is like a different level. And it was we waited a long time for WandaVision. I remember exactly where I was when it was announced that Wanda and Vision were getting a show and Loki was getting a show. I was sitting in a bar hosting bar trivia in New York and I'll never forget it and it didn't happen again for like at least 3 years. So I am patient. I am ready. I am ready to see Patty LuPone and Aubrey Plaza. <laughs> like it's fine. I a year as we know from the fact that this is what our 43rd week a year goes by fast <laughs> man we were uh we were living very different lives when that show was announced <laughs> mm -hmm. i'll sit at my desk at the comic book office down in brentwood tennessee <laughs> we didn't even go there anymore <laughs> Sarah, please. oh boy um so so just talking about the future of the mcu and talking about the strikes and everything else uh so the rap put out an article this week that said just kind of broke down when the actor strike is over, what projects are going to be prioritized and in what order? And they said that Deadpool 3 and Captain America 4 are a top priority for Marvel Studios post the strike. Uh, they said there's going to be kind of a fight for access to talent, especially across studios and across different projects. Uh, the very first projects that'll probably be helped will be ones that need ADR and pickups, which apparently include Craven, um, which is so weird to think about. That movie would have come out last weekend if not for so many other circumstances. Um, and then after that will be projects that recently wrapped, like were close to wrapping like Beetlejuice 2 and then there will be projects like Deadpool 3 which were halted and then they will get to kind of pick up. As we know with Deadpool 3, Sean Levy said that they were probably halfway done filming so they have a lot to cover. How I do y'all feel about that? Those, those two things are now, they're a linchpin thing. Those have to happen next year. Like, the rest of this stuff can move around. Those two things absolutely gotta go down in 2024. Mm-hmm. 
Like Marvel I don't know Studios how they're going to not given up that first weekend in May has not for a release no. date in over a decade, with no. the exception, of course, being Avengers: Infinity War and Avengers: Endgame moving up to that last weekend in April, uh, kind of in their ninth innings. They just said, "Oh, hey, actually, we're releasing a week early." But that even their second weekend was bigger than any other movie I think that released those years for the most part. I don't think that's actually true. I think there were a couple big movies in those years, but those movies were so gigantic that their second weekends, which would have been those first weekend in May's, were still bigger than almost every other opening weekend in their in their respective years. Uh, I, I, I know I just talked about delay these things, delay these things until they're done, until they're good. My fingers are absolutely crossed that Deadpool 3 drops on his date, which is currently May, right? The mm-hmm. first, that's the May movie. Yeah. They, they, uh, I, I, man, I know they're having fun hanging with the, 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 the woman you can't not mention, Taylor Swift, at the Jets games. I know they're having fun in, taking pictures in each other's kitchens, but I hope they were ready to get back to work on this one because I, I can't wait for Deadpool 3, and I, I really hope they're able to knock that one out. I honestly would not be surprised if they shuffle around again because, like, I don't know how far Cat 4 was on filming. It sounded like it might have gotten more done than Deadpool 3, but it might be the case of that might make more sense to put in the May release date. But I don't know. I would be shocked if either of those movies come out then, but I will definitely hope for it. We're not, I'm, I'm, we're not getting Deadpool in May. I'm no. so sorry. Like, no. it's not it's not halfway finished and we're still in a strike. Yeah. Best case scenario, they start filming, what, in January? I really don't think May I, can, I think Deadpool 3 will start filming again this year. Really? Okay. I think it'll film again this year. I think if the strike ends within, like, the next week and a half, which I think it will, the actor strike, I think they'll come to terms. Hopefully it's ratified with by the end of the month at the latest. I do think there will be cameras rolling on Deadpool 3 before the end of the year. The thing is, I think they need until like February, March to keep filming. I don't know if you could push it out in May, but with that, no. uh, this is definitely a pretty solid VFX heavy film that I, uh, turning it around that quickly, it might go back to its original September date, but we'll see. It's just hard to imagine Marvel giving up that date. I, I, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. It's all, it's all for the game. So you show up at your house and then you get black bagged by whoever Kevin Feige sends to the crib. Like, no, 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 we're making Deadpool three. I know <laughs> you're gonna make whatever you're gonna make for dinner. We are making Deadpool three. <laughs> like, what's up? Like, and for we have whoever you have, you need food. We have food at the house. And yeah. food at the house. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Oh god. We're going to take a quick one-minute break. We come back. we got to talk a little bit about Loki. This is a great opportunity to subscribe to the Phase Zero channel on YouTube. Uh, We're running late. We're in overtime, baby. Free Phase Zero for you coming at you in a minute. Welcome back to Phase Zero. We got one more topic today. That's Loki. I did see a comment in the comment section during the break on Twitch from Damon Streams. Any chance Cap Four takes Deadpool 3's place? Is De- is Cap or Cap Four? Is Cap Four done filming? Like I, I, I believe so. I can't remember. I might have just like uh, Mandela affected some sort of social media post saying that they were done filming. But I feel like that mm. was probably further along. Well, they got a whole ass Red Hulk to animate, so. I don't know how they're going to get that thing out if, if they haven't been able to work on that, but we'll see. Uh, it's it's kind of all a toss-up. I really, I mean, release the movies when they're done, but hopefully Deadpool 3 is done in time because that one, that's a billion-dollar boomer if it uh, if it's able to finish in, in time be a good movie. Loki and OB are at Avengers Campus. I want to talk about I want to talk about this real quick. Hey, Aaron, Jamie, you've both been to Avengers Campus, right? Yeah. I, I ate key lime pie this weekend. <laughs> Jenna, have you you have you have not, I have not. as I was telling them before we started recording the last time I went to Disney I had a flip phone so I oh, it's wow. been some time oh wow nice. we can do a phase zero episode from Avengers Campus Mickey sponsor <laughs> us let's go yeah uh that'll be wild imagine that as our backdrop for an episode oh man how much do we have to pay for that let us get an episode <laughs> there the next Avengers movie we're recording live we're just gonna set up a table we're just gonna get up there for yeah. as long as just we can and folding go chairs. yeah right in front of the Quinjet at Gorilla. Avengers yeah but okay I love Loki and I love OB. But Avengers Campus characters sometimes just aren't the characters. <laughs> like it's I, I, I always thought like the costumes are spot on, but I it's so hard to to buy in, right? Am I the only one who feels this way when they just don't they're just not the actor? 
it's it's like this with with all these characters like it's it they, they do the best they can they i think do. it's cute but but like i think they do i mean when you think about like what they're trying to like look exactly like these actors that's why the more fun are the disney people in in suits that you just mm-hmm. get to pretend um it's the same thing with like Ahsoka characters recently, but then like at least Hera is green. Um, you know, like what can you do? Like let's like let's I'm, like they Disney also like they measure these people. They they I like they go hard on getting the best that they can find, and so I think that this is the best that they can find, and I don't think it's that bad. So I will that's make, why Iron Man is actually Robert Downey Jr.'s height. I will make a devil's advocate argument of like, the, if you're a child going to Avengers Campus, I don't think it. you really know the difference. I think in your mind, that looks close enough to mm. the character that you're probably very happy. Well, when them kids start chalking up $200 a day, make it for them. All right. We're out here. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I just, I, I think this is awesome. I think OB looks awesome. The costume looks great. Loki's fun, man. I just, I, I get a kick out of this every time. Like I've seen a couple of these go viral where they're like, that is not. That is not that person. <laughs> we have Loki at home. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's fun. Avengers Campus is fun. We've talked about this on the show before. The I kid who the guy that got playing Sam Wilson looks a lot like it's the goatee and the goggles, man. Once you slap that on him, he looks good. He's like me. Yeah, he makes that same face that Anthony Mackie always makes, like he knows something. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but when when you go there, I think the characters that real the, first of all, the Dora Milaje look great. They do. Uh, the Ant-Man and the Wasp look awesome, I think, because they have helmets on. And Iron Man looks cool, but he's very tiny. The Iron Man at Avengers Campus is is is, is tiny. That is true. Liam would tower over the Iron Man at Avengers Campus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't talk about Liam on this show, all right? We, 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 all, we are all, all right? We're all mad about it. And by all, I mean me. Um, all right. The last thing. I want to talk about Loki. We have our Loki episode coming up tomorrow night live on the Phase Zero YouTube channel. It'll be on all major podcast platforms afterwards. If you tuned in last week, thank you so much for uh, for joining us live. Uh, it was our most downloaded episode of the year on the first day. Thank you so much for that. There's been a, this is a bit of a, spo- I don't know if this is a spoiler for Loki. This is just a piece of imagery. And we're going to talk about whether or not this is an intentional X-Men reference or not. So you've been warned. Uh, in the season two premiere of Loki, there is a door. That has an X. I think we have an image of this. I think we got to get this in here. Peter dropped it into our into our Slack chat. So while they find that, I'll describe it. Uh, they're, they're, the door to the temporal loom it's got a little circle in the middle, right? And then it's got kind of X's or lines that make an X going towards that circle on the door. It opens up the same way the circle goes, you know, one way with the door. The other side just has an opening for that little circle piece. People are feeling like this is an X-Men reference. It's a Cerebra reference. If it's not, I'm just going to say this. If it's not, it is a crazy coincidence. So while we pull up this image so everybody who's watching live can see this visually and see the comparison, top to bottom, let's say, yeah, you're nay. Aaron, do you think this is, do you think this is an X-Men reference at the TVA? What makes it harder is because people can just connect the weird murder board for themselves. Because this is it, wasn't Keanu Klein like a uh, stunt coordinator on X-Men 1? Yes. Oh. Yeah. So, like, it could, there's like two layers of this where it could have been like, oh, yes, like X Men style thing. Cause I saw it on Twitter too. And I was like, what's happening? Like, really, y'all? I Listen, if Loki season two is introduced to the X Men, I will walk into the ocean. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> walk into the How far? How far are you walking? Oh, a long time, BB. Aaron's doing the polar plunge, baby. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> someone, I think someone, it, go ahead, Jay. I was just saying, I think at best it's like a little Easter egg nod. Yeah. I don't think it's a hint. I yeah. agree. I think like I don't think Kevin Feige and the grand master plan of introducing the X-Men to the MCU would have this on his murder board of how to phase them into the MCU. That would I, be funny as all. I know it would be hilarious if that was the case, <laughs> but it's too specific. I think it's just a cool visual way of showing the door, but it is just a l- little Easter egg maybe. I don't trust any of Kevin Feige's boards. He told me Nova was on a, he said, if we have a, a board with immediate potential, Nova's on it. That was like a hundred years ago. That board's just covered in dust. <laughs> We've had a panoramic, a new president. Uh, the, whole, the whole world has changed since he told me that. And you know who's not come a single step closer to the MCU? Nova. <sighs> I'm not mad though. I'm not mad. <laughs> I sure. think it's just a coincidence as well. It's a weird coincidence. I think it's just a cool piece of set design. I think it looks really good. I don't think that this is any sort of 
uh, intentional reference to the X-Men or Cerebro, but I do think it would be cool if they found a way to make this piece of technology related to the TVA behind this door or something, because Cerebro is going to have to get some cool powers, right? Maybe somehow the TVA, when it's all said and done with, when everything settles, this is sort of a, a root of that for the MCU version of Cerebro, so they could track down all the music. Like they're tracking down timelines. Maybe they'll track. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's just a coincidence, though. And I think that was a hell of a show today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Goodness gracious. That show was bodacious. And we're not done because we'll be here tomorrow. Yeah. That's right. That's <laughs> right. In about what time is it? It's 12 o'clock. It uh, the 30 something hours. About 30 <laughs> hours, 32 hours, 30 hours. I don't know. But whatever time you're listening to this, it's less than that. Uh, we have our live Loki season two bonus episode number two. We're talking about episode two on phase zero. So don't miss it. Subscribe to our phase zero channel on YouTube. If you're on Twitch, the comic book Twitch is a great place to do that because then you get our breakdowns and you get comic book nation on Friday as well. Uh, so listen to us on all major podcast platforms. Drop a five-star review so we can be the biggest podcast pl- podcast in the world. There's no doubt. We're like this close. We're like this close to being literally the biggest <laughs> podcast in the world. That's I don't think that's an exaggeration. We are literally right there on the cusp of being the number one most listened to podcast in the history of all podcasts of all time ever, depending on who you ask. So <laughs> thank you so much for the support. Uh, that's our show. We'll see you tomorrow night. Aaron, you got any last words for today's show? Uh, it's at Summer Lake Corner on Twitter. Go read comicbook.com's extensive breakdown of all the stuff that happened to the Marvel TV shows blowing up today. And Peter, make a cut down of everybody lying to BD. There's been so many people lying to BD in the last three to four years. We got 20 minutes of executives lying to BD. I'm telling you, bro. I'm tired of it. I'm just going to start calling it. I'm just going to start calling them out when we're in there in the interviews. I'm just going to be like, are you lying? I feel like this is one of those lies you all tell. Anyway, Jamie. Oh, goodness. I'm at Jamie Jurek on Letterboxd, TikTok, and Instagram, and at Jamie Cinematics on Twitter. As much as I try not to use it, it just seems like it's never going to fully die. This was a fun one, though. <laughs> this was this was insanity. What a Wednesday. Jenna? It's at Hey, it's Jenna Lynn on social media. And as always, go read some comics. There's a new issue of Guardians of the Galaxy out this week and a lot of other fun books to check out. And yeah, I am very excited for this week's Loki episode. Man, Brandon Moore in the comment section had to remind me right before the show ends. Sasha Banks lied to me. (laughs) (laughs) Why'd she do that, man? (laughs) Uh, That's our show. That's phase zero. Uh, Hit me up at Brandon Davis BD if you for some reason are not tired of me yet. And we'll see you tomorrow night. Have fun, everybody.